This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Sportsbook. I'm Dan Roberts, your host. Thanks for joining us. And we are chatting this week about the game that just happened, the thriller in Georgia, Alabama versus Georgia for the national college title. Woo, it was a stunner. That was Monday night. I remember complaining about how late these games go on a weeknight, and it did go late, but boy, I wasn't mad. It was worth it. What a game. And actually, we're heading into the second week of the NFL playoffs, uh, the first legitimate week, you could argue, of the playoffs after the wild card weekend. And yet, at least for now, for the next few days, I'm thinking about that college game. And it's a good time to look back at the college football season that was. It's also a good time to broaden out and take stock of this new college football playoff format. This was year four of that new format. Uh, Alabama has been in the playoff all four years. That is some dominance. Uh, I ain't mad. It was a great game. And so to talk about college football right now, the excitement, the great ratings that some of these games have brought for ESPN amidst a tough year for ESPN and a tough year for football, at least for pro football, and to chat about the outlook for college football, whether the outlook might be sunnier than it is for professional football, we bring in our Yahoo Finance colleague and friend of the show, Miles Udland. Good afternoon. Good morning. Morning. Morning, afternoon, yes. whenever you might be listening. Good night and good luck, but welcome. All right, well, what a game. I thought it was great. And look, I, I'm not a person who considers myself a mega college football fan, but purely anecdotally, and we will get into some of the numbers here, we will get into some of the ratings hits, uh, because overall, actually, college football ratings did decline this year, just like NFL, not nearly as much. We'll get into all that, but just to, to speak anecdotally, not in terms of hard data, it feels to me like college football is more pure than the NFL. Now, I'm sure there are people who would have said that years ago, too. That's not a new opinion. But especially this year with the NFL in decline and with the NFL feeling somehow more corporate than ever, more advertising. It's all brands and ads and Papa John's and sponsors and seeing the players in ads. And somehow college suddenly has a more of an appeal for me. I don't know what that says about me, and I don't know if there are lots of Americans that agree, but it's been a great postseason. Miles, your take after the game and uh, just how you feel toward college football right now, especially in comparison to the NFL. Yeah, um, well, so I'm a pretty big college football fan. I have been um, most of my life, really, as far as as long as I can remember, even though I'm not from a college football state. I grew up in New Jersey, so it's not like I have a big affiliation to the SEC or anything See, like that. See, I think that. that's uh, unusual. I well, think it's a coastal thing and that on the East Coast, college football just isn't really as big. If, if you didn't go to a big D1 football school. Yeah, I think that might be true later in life. I mean, for me, what I always liked about college football as a little kid and then even now is the, the rankings because it makes it so obvious when games should be interesting. You know, I don't really care about Oklahoma State, for example, but when they're ranked 8th and West Virginia is ranked 12th, I feel like that's a game that could matter. You know, both those teams uh, are probably going to finish the season with three or four losses because they always do. 
but uh, even though they have pretty good squads. But there's a chance that Oklahoma State maybe does go undefeated. I remember it was 2011. They were the number two team in the country, went to Iowa State on a Friday night and lost. They could have been the title game that year. Um, but the other thing is you, you remember all of these things because of the ranking, right? right? NFL has great games every week, but no one really remembers them. I mean, there are maybe five regular season games in the last five NFL seasons that you might remember if you're a fan of the league at large, but most people care about their teams. But college football, whether you're an Alabama fan, a USC fan, a Texas fan, you care about the whole sport. You're following the whole sport. There are very few people, maybe more on the West Coast um, than anything just because of the time difference, but I don't think anyone who's a big fan of Alabama, for instance, doesn't know what's going on in the rest of college football. If you're a huge Michigan State fan, you know, you probably knew that Tua existed and could have come in to finish that game for Alabama because that's just the way the sport is. So, Tua Tungo-Vailoa. Yes, the backup quarterback for Alabama uh, who ended up winning the game. But the point is, I think that the sport just has a very um, strong brand. It has a lot of loyalty among its fans. And as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, what defined college football 10 years ago? Well, it was the scandal at Miami and then the later scandal at USC where yep. they had to have you had to give back national titles. Reggie Bush doesn't get to keep his Heisman. Vacate wins, a so, concept that I think is so silly. So but. I think it's very interesting that 10 or so years later, we're now talking about the notion that college football is somehow cleaner than the NFL, which is ridiculous because as we just saw at Ole Miss, we know everybody gets paid. There's all kinds of recruiting violations. But... I think most college football fans don't really care. They know that it's dirty. They know that it's a corrupt sport, and they're okay with that. The NFL has its own problems, whether it's being too corporate, whether it's um, a political thing that isn't even determined by the league. It's just kind of where we are in the country, and the NFL is a huge pop culture thing, and everybody gets dumped into politics these days. But certainly college football has a more positive momentum that's more about the game and it's more about debating who should have been in the playoff rather than, you know, are the players standing for the anthem or not. And if you're, if you're arguing about the actual sport, that's good for the sport. No right. one is really Absolutely. arguing about what's happening in the NFL because, frankly, the games are not that interesting. But as we saw on Monday night, the games in college football are very interesting. And I would say that even when it isn't two highly ranked opponents, anything can happen. You know, on, on any given... Saturday. <laughs> and that's not the case in the NFL anymore for the most part. I mean, well, a bad is. Jets team plays the Pats in week five. It's not going to be a surprise, exciting, close game, no, I mean, usually. But, but college, I, Boise State upsets, you know, the number two. It happens. So, uh, okay, often. but the thing is, um, I, I still think that anything could happen in the NFL, but who cares? That's the, the real okay. problem is that no one, no one really cares if the Jets do beat the Pats. But people would care if Alabama was beaten. Uh, I mean, the last, what, three, the last four years or something like that, they have lost to Ole Miss. So, yes, that would, you know, they lost to Ole Miss two years in a row, which is crazy. Everyone did care about that. But no one cares on a week-to-week -week basis, really, what happens in the NFL. Yeah, I just love the surprise factor, too, when expectations are, are busted. Uh, I mean, in the, in the semi-round when Clemson played Alabama, and going into that game, you know, there was controversy about Alabama even being in the playoff, let's remember. And we're going to get into the playoff structure and, and what we think of it. But people said, oh, it should have been Ohio State. Bama wasn't even the conference champion. And then other people said, well, look, 
Bama is just clearly a better team. But then in terms of odds, I think Clemson was favored. And people pointed out that Clemson was the best team in the regular season. You know, it was the number one seed in the playoff. And then in the end, it wasn't even close. And people sort of said, you know, hindsight 2020, but what were we thinking? Of course, it's Nick Saban. It's Alabama. And, you know, no question. And then Bama just proved themselves. I mean, Nick Saban, it's the Bill Belichick of college. I love it. I love the storylines. To make a point on uh, sort of in that vein, I think the NFL for a long time, uh, and I've realized we're just talking about the NFL here, basically. Uh, (laughs) Well, now, I think it's okay because this podcast was sort of born as an NFL podcast. um, We'll get to some numbers about the the ratings for college this year in a second. But um, thinking about the problem the NFL has is they've long marketed themselves as the league of parody and that that is somehow good for the sport, but what's the most stable professional league right now? It's the NBA, which has no parody. There's only three relevant teams. And I think college is finding out that right now the culture moment in the country lends itself to brands getting overvalued, but also creating a more stable product. Everyone complains about the Kardashians, but people watch E! as much as any other cable network because they know that, yeah, maybe it's kind of annoying and these people are ridiculous, but you basically get the same thing every week with the Kardashians. You get the same thing every year with Alabama and Ohio State. And And it's okay. Right. Georgia is kind of a different brand, but they're still a pretty established SEC brand. Auburn Mm. would also be in that vein. But no one wants to see, frankly, uh, UCF in the playoff. And every year we know it's going to be some combination of a Power 5 team, a known quantity. And I think it's very good for the sport that they have a little bit of parity in terms of who's on the team, who's the best player, who's going to win the Heisman. You know, Baker Mayfield can only be in college for so long, so he's done his couple years of making headlines. He'll move on, and next year we can talk about someone else. But there's a familiarity that it will be LSU and Alabama and Oklahoma and all these teams that we know, Clemson will certainly be good next year, year in and year out, and it makes people come back to the game. And I think the NFL, um, not that they could really fix it or would even want to or there's any way around it, but it's hard for them when they have their premier event and it's the Titans and the Chiefs. And it's yeah. the Rams and the Falcons. Yeah. What you want to see is you want to see the Pats and the Giants every week. Right. And, and that's just not going to happen. Set an East Coast liberal. Yes, right. But those, they do, those do the best. Yeah. Right? No one wants to see the Titans. Well, now in relation to it's okay that it's the same teams and you sort of learn them and, and every year every, someone new gets their story. And I guess this, again, is me sort of speaking from the heart, I guess. But uh, I love how in college the, the personal emotional stakes seem higher. So that Bama kicker missing that field goal, I got three texts instantly and all of them had the same tenor. And the message was that poor kid. It wasn't like, what a loser. Now I'm sure some people were yelling, what a loser. I think I yelled, oh, you know, idiot when it first happened because it wasn't even close. I mean, he shanked that. But, you know, my dad, especially my dad said that poor kid, he'll carry that burden for the rest of his life. And then I thought, unless Bama wins. And good thing they won. I mean, yes, when when we see, well, that's funny you say that. I mean, years from now, I mean, this was one of the classic title games ever. And we'll see, you know, a documentary or it'll be mentioned in a a 30 for 30. And they'll meant, you know, there's going to be that voice saying, as the clock ran down, with 20 seconds left, Bama had a simple 24-yard field goal to win the game. The game seemed almost locked down. Sophomore kicker, you know, TK, whatever his name was, Misses it. Oh, no. I mean, poor kid. And somehow in the NFL, you know, Steve Hauschka misses a kick. No one says, oh, he'll carry the rest of his life. You know, part of it, he has a Super Bowl ring. But it's like, well, 
I mean, it doesn't feel as weighty. And yeah, for that kid, who knows where he'll go, who knows what his career will be like, or if he'll play in the NFL. A lot of these kickers do. I mean, a kicker from a school like Alabama could probably go to the NFL, but man, he'll never forget that, missing that kick. So, oh. uh, yeah, I think, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe not. I'm pretty sure no one's going to talk about that kick, honestly, in a couple of days. The only story... Oh, of course, luckily. The only story that's relevant out of this game is the Alabama quarterback who came in. But to your point about the personal nature of that is I have... I've been thinking more often, maybe it's just as I get older um, and think about my own life and sort of how much happens in a year, but really how little changes and you're really just the same person working the same financial media job. Um, that this kid, you know, two is 18, 19 years old, he might, it might never be this good again. A few years ago, Ohio State had a quarterback, Cardale Jones, who had Cardale never Jones. started a game. I remember in. when he held a presser just to announce, I'm not going to the pros right. yet. I'm going to play another year in school. Uh, then he got drafted by the Bills, and he's out of the league, of course. Um, but he had one game. And so to your point about the, the personal side of it, for a lot of these kids, it's the highlight, and it makes you um, feel, I don't know, it just it makes – I think college football makes you think about yourself more than the NFL does and who isn't at their heart ultimately a selfish person. Because they're kids. They, also, they're they students. They, now we can get into the whole amateurism and arguing should they be paid, yeah. but they're, they're kids, at least age-wise. They're, so. they're in a more obviously transient stage of life than yes. an NFL player, and that is endearing to everybody. And you're right. That may prove to have been Tua Tungavailoa's peak, at least football-wise, his, his, his moment of his life that he remembers for the rest of his life, and we witnessed it. I and, mean, that, or, and that we remember him by. I mean, there's right. a very good yes. chance. There's a very good chance that he's a fine college player, not great. He's not that big. Um, I think he's going to have a, you know, we we're, we're already can start thinking about him in the NFL. He's six foot one, six foot two. Well, that's usually a problem. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of endearing qualities to college football players, even though they're mostly there to be athletes, and they're uh, completely exploited by the system, and it's very unfair, and they should be paid, and all of those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, ratings-wise, mm -hmm. uh, we should mention college football down college overall football. Yes. in this season, as was the NFL. And we'll just quickly, I don't want to make it a, an NFL ratings discussion again, but uh, as we've said, and, and we've beaten this drum, but it's the truth, uh, these are macro business factors that are affecting all live sports. Uh, NASCAR down too. This isn't just, oh, the players kneeling. Uh, you know, ratings for live sports, especially football, down in the last year, down the year before too. Now, some highlights though for ESPN. Uh, the Rose Bowl this year, which was also a thriller. I mean, when that game ended, I said that was maybe the best college football game I've ever watched in my life. That still might be true, but it's hard not to... In the, in the two days no, after that game this. Was, that game was far more entertaining than the Alabama Okay. Game. Well, right. Yeah, it only I, got good in the second half. Okay, good. Wasn't even so close. now that Rose Bowl was the fifth highest rated cable program ever, uh, which is enormous. I, I mean, you can't understate. In a year when ESPN has taken hits politically, been the subject of controversy, a lot of it due to its own missteps, and laid off 250 people, 100 of those well-known, well-regarded, famous names of TV personalities. In a year in which all that happened, college football still a hit for ESPN. You know, ESPN College Game Day, a, a golden property. 
I mean, you are going to see some things change over the next five years from ESPN due to inflated rights fees and all of those burdens. Uh, ESPN trying to do more on digital. Uh, every night now I watch uh, SportsCenter on Snapchat, which I think is good and fun, and you're going to see more change. But boy, I don't think you're going to see something like college game day change. That is a constant. College football seems to me it's got to be, what, the number one if, or number two uh, best-performing sport for ESPN. Yeah, I mean, ESPN is all in on college athletics, whether it's basketball or football. Certainly, football drives um, the train for them. They had 2.155 million viewers on average this season on ESPN for college football games. Now, that was down 6% from 2.3 the year before. That's still a pretty darn good number for ESPN. A lot of cable networks uh, would certainly like that number. Now, ESPN is getting multiples of what those other networks might get in carriage fees. But certainly ESPN is committed to making college football and college sports a thing. And if and they as, weren't, what would they be anyway? Exactly. I mean, yeah, they have, they have Around the Horn, they have PTI, properties like that. But we know that SportsCenter, at each primetime slot, you know, there's the AM one, there's, a, there's an 11 p.m., there's the midnight, is down. Yeah. Uh, only the only the SVP at midnight is flat, which is the best any of them is doing. Flat is something to celebrate now for them. So and and what I think live sports is the thing. And what I think is interesting about um, you know thinking about the state of college football as a sport, about the fact that there's really not much parity. There's a certain core. There's a few core brands that really drive that property for ESPN. Um, ESPN wants it that way. Honestly, I mean we. You know, I remember a few years ago there was that whole conference reshuffle, and right. I graduated from UConn, so I was mostly focused on would UConn be pulled into the ACC, which, you know. Oh, yes, they, important football powerhouse UConn. Right, but they have a good basketball team. Point yes. is, um, you know, uh, uh, UCF, to use the other example, they're in the American Conference. Still, you're only going to get 700, 800,000 people watching that game. No one's really going to watch that game. So the state of play where every week you know that you can put Alabama-Mississippi State on at 9 p.m. Eastern and it's going to be one of your best performing games of the week, even if it's up against the marquee ABC game, even if, again, it's a 9 o'clock Eastern start, that is why ESPN is so all in on college football and likely will continue to be because that brand value that you have from Alabama, the brand value you have – Shoot, even from a school like Tennessee, where their football program right now is kind of listless. A school like Wisconsin, which plays a fairly boring style of football. Nebraska, which hasn't really been that relevant in a long time. They're still moving the needle for ESPN and will continue to do so. And so college football is a program, you know, a, a, a package of programs, you could say, that I expect the network will continue to invest in. And think about rights fees coming up for them in, in so many years. I don't think that the position of college sports is really all that weaker, all yeah. that much weaker when, when negotiating with ESPN. And I think ESPN will be happy to pay a premium for that. And let me just say, now you brought up UCF. Uh, I want to use that as a, as a segue to let's talk about this playoff format, the CFP. Sure. But let me just say first, uh, it's stunning and amazing to me and, and never ceases to still surprise me. Maybe I'll, I'll sort of get it in a few years and stop being surprised. But just the level of devotion and fandom that you see in college football. That's something I didn't see growing up because, you know, I'm from Boston. The closest thing is BC. You know, there are big BC fans. That's Boston College. 
But for the most part, it's not college football country. I think it's fair to say. New England isn't college football country. Uh, and then, you know, someone like my girlfriend, she's from Tennessee. Her parents went to Vandy, and so the entire family, they're just such mega fans. I mean, Vanderbilt football, and, you know, Vandy's no big powerhouse, but hey, SEC. And then in addition, she herself went to USC, and all of her friends in New York City who all went to USC, it's just Trojans for life, obsessive. And, I mean, pick any school, Arkansas, Bama, even the ones that, as you said, Tennessee, the ones that haven't been good in a few years. The devotion is just insane. Uh, another example, someone like Paul Feinbaum, who's an ESPN radio host, the callers that he gets to his radio station, the people that call in and berate him in their you know, accents and... It's just, it's just unreal. And, and the lure, you know, the tree, the, the Bama, remember the tree that got poisoned by yeah. someone from the other team. The, uh, yeah, the tree at Auburn. Yes, the tree at Auburn, yes. I, I just, it's really impressive corner. to me. Yes, tumors court, exactly. Uh, now, let's talk about this CFP, the college football playoff. You mentioned UCF. Uh, here are some headlines after UCF won a great uh, Peach Bowl, beat Auburn. UF, UCF's Peach Bowl win should make us ask questions about the college football playoff. That's SB Nation. Then NY Times, UCF declares itself the national champion after winning the Peach Bowl. And that was kind of funny. You know, the, the coach and the AD at UCF were not subtle about it. Uh, of course, that coach headed to Nebraska, Scott Frost. That was a fun thing to watch. Uh, cool that he still coached the team in that bowl game while he's also already begun basically working and recruiting for Nebraska. Uh, so let's ask those questions. I mean, the popular narrative that UCF pushed was, look, we didn't lose. We're undefeated. We're the champions. But they weren't in the playoff, of course, not in a Power Five conference. So uh, does there need to be six teams? Do there need to be eight teams? I mean, people say expand it, force too few, put in six. But then if you have six, there's going to be a seventh school that has a great case that doesn't get in. And then people start to say there should be eight. Is four too few? Uh, I personally just forget all the different ins and outs. Just consider this one simple fact, this simple way of describing it. In the old days, even though there was something considered a championship game, it was still sort of up for debate. People didn't really consider it a true champion. Now, finally, you have a bracket. You have four final teams. Even if you quibble with which teams make it, you got four teams, they play each other, then it gets down to two, then there's one, there's a champion. I like it. I think it's a, a much better format. Yeah, I think four is great. Uh, everyone's going to always call for eight, eight would be terrible. Look at what, you know, I mean, look at, we, we just used the example of the, the Chiefs-Titans game. If you have eight, all right, so Alabama's going to be playing a neutral site game or maybe a home game this year against USC. Okay, fine. Then you're going to have Penn State playing a home game or a neutral site game against Oklahoma. Okay, fine. Georgia's going to be playing probably Auburn again. Then you have Ohio State playing against Alabama. <laughs> uh, or, or against Clemson. Okay, so you have all these games, and those games are all fine, but then you have another week where you have the games that we're ha having on New Year's Day, and then there's another week, and then there's the final game. And I think by the end, by that, because what is this? going to be four, two, one. So by the seventh game of the college football playoff, I think we're all going to be we're going to be mm. all set on the college football playoff. Right. Not and that's mention, the problem the NFL has oversaturation. Well, it just you know I don't think the NFL playoff could be smaller, but I think part of what people like about college football is arguing over who should get into the playoff. Right. And then you just play the games and you forget about it. <laughs> yes. And yeah, you know what? Is it a rigged system so that basically it's going to be some combination of the ten best programs in the playoff every year? Of course it is, and that's the way that college football wants it. And I think that it is never going to hurt their business that schools like UCF or Boise State 
um, or even, you know, even smaller schools, let's say Iowa State could be good one year, but there's going to be plenty of reasons that a one-loss Iowa State would probably be left out of the playoff mm. when a one-loss Alabama would get in. And I think that that's just the way it is. No one's going no to change that. And uh, so maybe that's too cynical of me. Maybe I'm forgetting that the BCS didn't exist. It came and went and when we had a new system. And that in 10 years we'll have an 18 playoff, and I'll think it's great then too. But it seems right now that the controversy created by the four-team playoff from a business perspective is so obviously the right number, and it fits into this perfect window of you get the New Year's Day games where everyone's ready to watch college football. You get this one Monday night extravaganza. Um, to kind of accentuate the first weekend of the NFL playoffs, and then you go by the wayside, you forget about it, you move on, and then only the diehards are caring now about recruiting and, and things like that. Yeah, it is. It, you're right about the diehards, though. A fair number of people, you know, to think there will be three more weeks of college football programming on ESPN is, is kind of wild to me. Three more weeks? Eleven more months. Right. It's only January. <laughs> it's a 12-month it's a season. College right. football and the NFL are the only thing on ESPN all the time. And the NBA. And, the <laughs> and NBA, LeVar Ball. Well, and the NBA is trying to get itself yeah. to a 12-month system. which it's is doing why, a pretty good job of it. Which is why they're covering everything uh, Steve Kerr says as if, you know, the president had just spoken. But, you know, we yeah. could talk about that another time. Right. Uh, I agree with you. It's the scarcity, or, or at least it's that most of the action happens at once. I love that it's the New Year's Six. Uh, in the last couple of years, there have been semi-games, you know, big bowl games on New Year's Eve. I think that's really stupid. they got to stop doing that. Uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't have one of those this year, that but was, the year before, there was, was like Friday. a 9 p.m. on New Year's Eve game, and you can't do that. You that bury the, it. it, was, it like they alternated, yeah. I think it was because of when New Year's Eve fell, though. It fell on yes. like a Thursday and then a Saturday, and there oh, was just weird timing. It was yeah. NFL games last year, anyway. But, you know, I, I love, you, you now think of New Year's Day as college football. Sit on the couch all day, college football. Forget the New Year's Day brunch. I remember a time, three years in a row in New York, I would go to, like, a New Year's Day party or brunch. I would never do that again. i got to watch college football. Is that about, about college football or is that about the fact that you're 30 now? <laughs> right. Maybe. It's ah. a That's also why I'm so excited for the Masters, right, because I'm 30. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if anything, I think you made this argument, but the fact that you have to then wait a whole week for the championship game, and then on a Monday night it's almost like, oh, right, 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 the championship game. Uh, people say, oh, too many bowls is too many bowls. Well, guess what? They all do great. Those bowl games get great ratings. I mean, you know, the Gasparilla Bad Boy Mowers Bowl did great. It's a, You can have anything. I mean, let's remember, three years ago there was the St. Petersburg Bitcoin Bowl. I love that there's all these wild random bowl games. Everyone gets a bowl. You get a bowl. You get a bowl. And many of them have the opportunity to end up being great, close, exciting games. Uh, so that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I, I don't think there's any problem that college football has with uh, oversaturation or whatever. They have a diehard right. built-in audience. And, um, you know, people get ESPN to watch the Gasparilla Bowl or whatever. <laughs> right. that, that's the whole point of having that network is that on December 27th at 1 p.m. you can turn on ESPN and get a live bowl game. The Motor City Bowl. This year it was, I, I remember it was, uh, who would they play? Duke, Northern Illinois, the day after Christmas in Detroit. Could you imagine? Imagine. Imagine if you're on the team. It's right. like, oh, you get a bowl game the day after Christmas in Detroit. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Can't spend it in Raleigh. <laughs> so. uh, let's end this way. Yeah. We started out this episode talking about, man, here we are after this really exciting game. The chatter has lasted two full days. It'll go a couple more days. Just what an exciting game. I'll be thinking about that game for a while. What are the chances, Miles, that we will be sitting here in the first week of February talking about the Super Bowl in the same terms, saying, wow, remarking at what an exciting, thrilling finish the NFL season had? 
Um, well, you know, it's a sports book podcast. If we need some content, I'm sure that we'll talk about that. Look, I think... I, I, okay, I think low. I think the chances are low. I think the chances are um, re- reasonably low, only in the sense that, you know, I would argue, after having watched Monday night's game and having seen the Rose Bowl, that you know, last year's Super Bowl actually wasn't that good. It really wasn't that good of a game. The Falcons were killing the Patriots, and then they folded, and then the game ended. If it had and been that, the Giants, you would not be saying no, that. No, but I think the only you know really good Super Bowls of the last 10 years are the Seahawks and the Patriots yep. and the, the Steelers and the Cardinals. And the only reason why those games stand out is because amazing things happened at the end that weren't just someone rolled over or someone screwed up. Um, there was a real storyline behind how it went down, much the same way that Monday night's game was about the story of the kid coming in in the second half and winning the game for Alabama. And I think those stories happen so much more consistently in college football than they do in the NFL. Tom Brady winning is not a story. He hasn't done anything on the field other than just be good. That's a real story that's going to engage someone who doesn't already know everything about Tom Brady. But all of a sudden, ESPN, in the second half of that game, has to scramble their whole production team to say, get me some graphics on Tua. How do I pronounce his last name? What's going on here? And the viewers spent the last two and a half hours meeting this kid, seeing him have the performance of his life, the moment of his life. It may not ever get better for him. And that story is going to happen next year, and it's going to happen the year after, and the year after that, and so on, ad infinitum, because that is the way that college football works. And that's why I think the sport is more compelling for the NFL. We like stories. College football stories are way better. I'm glad you said that about inspiring stories, because very briefly, uh, two weeks ago, right before the New Year's Six Bowls, the semifinals, the Clemson-Bama and Georgia-Oklahoma, ESPN ran on one of its shows like a two-minute highlight reel of inspiring stories from this season of college football, personal emotional stories. I'm talking off the field. You know, the the Iowa, is it Iowa where the players point to the local children's hospital? And by the end of it, I just thought, oh, or the player on Oklahoma who is missing one arm or he has he has a, a half an arm. And, and, and UCF has a linebacker that also has. Yeah, arm. he's like their captain on defense. Yeah. I mean, it's just there are amazing stories in college. And my first thought, I wasn't trying to be cynical, but my first thought was you couldn't make this kind of video for the NFL this season. You couldn't. There would be nothing inspiring until Andy Dalton led the Bengals to a win in their last regular season game that sent the Bills to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And all the Bills players donated to Andy Dalton's charity. That was the only inspiring story, emotionally, personal, uh, that came out of this NFL season. Uh, so, let's see. I, I hope the playoffs prove me wrong, as, as uh, we discussed on this podcast a week ago, or as I discussed alone. So, thanks for listening. Great way to wrap up. Thank you, Miles. A great year for college football. Uh, I will be interested to continue to watch college football's rise versus NFL's decline, or maybe the story will change. Uh, of course, football as a sport has some issues overall, but somehow college, there's more positivity there. What do you think? What is your take on college football? Are you a college football fan? Even if you aren't, I'm sure you watched the championship game if you're listening to this podcast. What did it leave you feeling? Comment, email us, uh, tweet us, text us. Just kidding. Let us know what you think. And remember always to rate, review, and subscribe to the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Goodbye.